everybody! Today, your auto runs through is top 10 games of 2022. And you might be saying to yourself, wait a minute, didn't I already see that? Didn't you already do that on Christmas Day at the end of the year, 2022? Well, yes, I did. Kind of. Here's the deal, folks. Every year, I try to, as an end-of-year present to everybody who helps keep Rotto running, I try to share with the world my picks for the best games of the year, uh, based on my own personal taste and my wife's taste. But I am always quick to add, it's a preliminary list, because by the end of the year, it's impossible for me to have played all of the games that came out that year. Uh, there's usually at least a dozen more that I'm thinking, wow, that's a really strong candidate. And that was true in 20. 2022 like every other year. And so, what I usually do is, I spend the first half of the following year playing more games that I didn't get my hands on uh, in time for my end-of-the-year preliminary show. That's what I've done. We are now in July. It's taken me a little bit longer than normal to get everything I wanted to play played, and I am now confident that I've got a true final definitive list, again, of the best games of the year to my taste and to my wife's taste. And so, I am about to tell you all about it, folks. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. If you caught the original list, well, two new games have punched their way in to be best of all time as far as I'm concerned, which means, sadly, two games have uh, slid off the list. Uh, and I'm mostly just going to focus on what those two new games are, although I will do a countdown of the entire thing. And if you want more information about those other eight games, plus the two that ended up sliding off the list, sorry, Carnegie, well, you can hit that eye in the top right corner screen or follow the links down in the show notes to go check my original, uh, my preliminary list. But today, folks, I'm giving you the final written in stone uh, list but not before I talk about something else from 2022. A whole bunch of stuff happened, and as far as I'm concerned, one of the coolest things that happened in all of board gaming world in 2022 was the Uganda Village Board Game Convention. This is so cool. It's been an event that Ben Parkinson has been putting on for years now. Uh, every year, he raises funds to be able to run a convention in Uganda that um, is attended by all kinds of kids um, from all over the area. And for many, if not most, this is their first introduction to what you and I love, the modern, exciting designer world of board games. And you know, you get to take these home and share them with their friends and family. And heck, if we're lucky, they become lifelong board game fans. And again, if you're like me, folks, you know what a positive impact modern designer board games can have on, heck, an old brain like mine, let alone young brains like these. Um, you know, they're incredible for logical thinking and learning tools and all of that. And so, Ben has been doing this for years, and I mention all of this because last year was a huge success. They raised uh, 5,300 pounds to be able to pull off their biggest convention so far, but you might have guessed, folks, Ben, as of this week, is starting to fundraise for a 2023 convention, and I just want to do a shout-out. I want people to know about this. I, I know times are tough, folks. Uh, you know, the cost of milk is higher than it used to be, but if you have um, you know, any spare cash that you could share, why don't you consider hitting the link down in the show notes? It's the very top of the show notes. 
to maybe throw a, a bit towards uh, Ben and these kids so they can have an amazing convention this year, especially because Ben is being more ambitious than he ever has been before, because this is not only a board game convention, but a science fair as well, because a lot of these kids, bright, smart kids, don't have access in their day-to-day classrooms to um, you know, really cool science equipment and chemicals and stuff like that, so Ben is raising funds for the games, for the venue, and also for all the accoutrement they need to be able to have a wonderful science fair. So these kids, their brains can be uh, fired not only by amazing modern uh, board games that bring them all together, but also hopefully catch the bug for science. And I know Ben is planning on bringing games like Ark Nova and probably Earth and uh, Terraforming Mars that will maybe get them into uh, science both on the board game front and they'll actually be able to play with the science themselves. This is just, you know, I mean... There's a lot going on in the world that drives people nuts, but if you want to make a difference, a real meaningful difference in people's lives, can I suggest, again, hitting that link down in the show notes. Uh, So far, as of now, like I said, he only started this week. There is one generous person who has put up 100 um, pounds. Oh, don't worry. You you can back in, in, you know, the monetary currency of wherever you're from. They're trying to hit 2,600. Last year, what did they hit? They hit 5,300. Folks, let's blow it out of the water. Let's see if they can hit 10,000 this year and give these kids the most amazing board game convention and science camp they've ever seen. Uh, I put it in your hands, folks. Uh, Don't leave that one backer hanging. You can be the second, or the third, or the fifth, or the hundredth, and I hope that's the case. Ben, I continue to be amazed by your generous spirit and what you're doing here. And folks, I hope if you're inspired at all, you might uh, go check it out. Again, link's in the show notes. Oh, hey, and before we move on, uh, just in case you can't see the link down in the show notes because you're not on YouTube right now, maybe you're listening to this as a podcast on the road or whatnot, you can point your browser, next chance you get, to uganda.rado.com, U-G-A-N-D-A dot rado.com, and that will also take you to the crowdfunding site for this wonderful, wonderful thing. But... Enough of all that, folks. You've been very, very patient. You want to hear about board games, don't you? Well, I'm going to tell you about board games. Let's start with number 10 on the list, and this is one of the two new games that have punched their way in. It's Rise. Oh my gosh, folks. I so fell so hard in love with this game. And it's actually interesting. This really kind of is a... has kind of a not... Uh, you know, inconsistent with what I was just talking about. This is a, um, I guess you could call it a civilization building game, kind of, sort of. It's really a worker placement game where every round there are a bunch of cards that are laid out that become worker placement spots. And every player is going to put their workers that represents what their societal government is going to invest their um, country's development towards. And, um... The thing is, the further a card to the right you choose, the more you have to pay. But the more benefits your society gets. The further to the left you choose, the left you have to pay, and you also get to go first in turn order. But then there's another twist. If you pay more and go to the right, and other players go to the left of you, they pay less and they get to go first, you get an extra bonus. So, so much of this game is about anticipating where you think your opponent is going to go, and seeing if, okay, can I just push a little bit harder and get that extra boost? And what are we boosting? Well, as part of setup, there are 10 different progress tracks for 
science and education and culture and the arts and government and uh, free press and industry and uh, banking, finance and all that. And the thing is, um, these are all tracks that you're trying to work your way up. You can't possibly master all of them, but every one of these tracks, all of which are two-sided, by the way, so you have a lot of setup variability. Every time you play, you're going to get a different combination of these 10 facets of this society you're trying to advance and evolve. They are all full of spaces where, hey, if I hit this milestone, it will affect a different track. So the more I invest in education, the stronger our science is going to be. The more I invest in a free press, the better our government is going to be. And so it's, to me, even though it's a relatively abstract, you know, tracks, progression track, the game, to me, it feels very, very thematic. To me, it does tell stories as I were, as you know, I'd invest more and more in the arts. And how does that have knock-on effects in other uh, elements while I'm also just trying to score points? It's a fun, fast, incredibly combo-laden game with a lot of setup variability that tells a positive, upbeat story about how if we invest in ourselves and we invest in each other, we can all rise. Uh, you know, a rising ship floats, our tide floats all boats, and that's what this game plays out, and I absolutely love it. Really, I would say the only complaints, the only thing that keeps this from being higher on the list, one, it's criminal to me that it doesn't have a solo mode. It would have been so easy to come up with a solo mode. And as far as I know, they still haven't. Hopefully, the developers will make an official one. There's been plenty of uh, unofficial ones proposed on BoardGameGeek. Uh, so it should have had a solo mode. And then number two... Um, People, some people say it is too abstract. And I understand because the cards that come out every round that you're choosing from to do the actions, most of them don't have text. And if they did have text saying what these different events were, I think that would have taken it to the next level in terms of storytelling. So those two um, bits keep it from making it even higher. But still, high praise, folks. One of the best games of 2022, as far as I'm concerned, had to be Rise. Okay, now let's go on to number nine on the list, The Shapers of Gaia. And like I said up front, I've already talked about this at length in my original preliminary list. There's an I in the top right corner of the screen. You can follow the links down in the show notes if you want to know more about why I was so blown away. Talk about hidden gems, folks. This game is so flying under the radar. So few people heard about this game or picked up. So few channels covered it. And I think it's a real shame because this is one of the best engine building games I've played in years. And for people who are always saying, ah, yawn, games are the same old, same old. You haven't played a game like this. It is set a fresh and interesting way to combine all these different elements of, uh, of gameplay. I was very impressed by it. So is my wife, Jen. I guess really my only complaint is that uh, it can only play up to three players. It's a one, two, or three player game, which is kind of odd, but um, it's absolutely fantastic. It's about you know, uh, millennia in the future, after a humanity screwed it all up and went underground and went to cryosleep, hey, we're waking up, we're coming back to a lush, verdant world, and we're going to try and rebuild in sync with nature this time as we try to build up habitable biomes for the flora and fauna and ourselves. So it's got a great message. It's got huge player asymmetry, depending on which faction you play. Uh, a wonderful presentation, and again, really fresh gameplay. A wonderful engine builder. Number nine, Shapers of Gaia. I talked about more than I thought I was going to. I'm going to try not to talk quite so much about number eight, Woodcraft, from Vladimir Suki, one of my favorite designers, although he was a co-designer on this. This is a phenomenal game set in a uh, fairy tale forest where we are wood carvers, um, literally, magically, 
basically growing trees for their wood, which is represented by dice, cutting the wood up, which is represented by splitting our dice, turning a six into, I don't know, a four and a two or something like that, so that we can make the best furniture for the uh, the denizens of this uh, mystical forest. Like every Vladimir Suki game, or almost every, it's incredibly rich and crunchy and so full of really cool ideas. Uh, this, I think, was in my wife's top three favorite games of the year, and uh, she loved it to pieces, but so did I. And again, I talk a bit more about why in my original preliminary list, so you can go watch and hear some more about number eight there. It is Woodcraft. Then we go on to number seven, Free Radicals. Oh my goodness, I have talked about this one so much. Again... There seems to be a recurring theme here, folks. I keep talking about games that have positive, upbeat views of humanity. Maybe that's something we could all use a bit more in our life and get away from the social media doom-scrolling that we are all facing every day and actually look to see, hey, what happens if people work together? What happens if we all strive towards a common goal? What happens if we don't treat every single interaction as zero-sum that, oh, you have to lose something for me to gain something? There is no better example of that esprit de corps, the best of what humanity can be, than Free Radicals, which is about a post-scarcity future where even though everybody competes for prestige and renown, um, the best way we can advance our own agenda is by helping our opponents and sharing the knowledge reaccrue instead of hoarding it. Um, and I absolutely love that. Plus, I love that this is actually... 10 games in once. Every time you play, uh, you could. Well, I could be playing a domino-style tile-laying game, and you could be playing a Moncala game. You could be playing an adventure game, and I could be playing a deck builder. The game comes with 10 different sets of rules, very quick and easy to set up and learn. Each player gets a nice little one-page summary of how to play their own faction, and there's so much variety. This is 10 games in one. They're all done really, really well. And I mean, I'm, I'm just absolutely blown away by number seven of the year, Free Radicals. Okay, then we go on to number six, Come Together, uh, which is basically a board game version of trying to put on the best Woodstock-style Summer of Love rock and roll festival you can. And, um, you know, while this is a competitive game, there's so much positive interaction between players uh, because it's a worker placement game where I send out my workers, but they don't get to work immediately. I go and claim spaces of actions. I get a little bit of stuff immediately, but I claim an action I want to do later. Kind of like the old classic worker placement, Kalis, because eventually the workers on the board will all get resolved you know, in order, but they get sent out one at a time. Here's the interesting thing, though. They don't get resolved based on just some turn structure. They get resolved once enough players have decided to visit a certain part of the board. And so if I go to the part of the board that lets me build up my stands or lets me recruit more acts for my show uh, because I see something I will want to grab, then other players are incentivized to go to that same place because they don't want to be left out because eventually that section will get activated. And if I'm the only one there when it gets activated, I get all the benefits. But as soon as I'm there, other players want to do it as well. And the more players show up, the more likely that action is going to happen for everybody. And everybody gets a big windfall at the same time. Again, I love a wonderful, competitive Euro economic simulation that is dry, 
in a good way because it's really crunchy. It's all about the economics, trying to manage all these things, um, you know, build up your workforce of roadies, all that stuff. But there's a huge amount of interaction between players, not because players are trying to beat each other up, but because I create opportunities for you and you create opportunities for me and best play is synergizing with each other. I love it. My only sad thing about this is it got a very, very small print run, limited print run, at Essen Spiel 2022. And so very few folks got to get their hands on it. I'm really hoping at some point, who knows, maybe at Essen 2023, it'll get a reprint and it'll go into a wider distribution because talk about another game that slipped between the cracks because it had such a small print run. I love this game so much, it's been on my shelf ever since. You always see it just floating over my head. One of the best games of 2022. Um, number six on the list come together. Okay, then number five. Folks, this is the other new game on the list. Coming in, like with a bullet, it's Marrakesh. And here's the deal. I played Marrakesh in 2022 as the latest big box original design from my favorite designer of all time, Stefan Feld. And I mentioned at the time how disappointed I was by Marrakesh. Because while the core gameplay, uh, you know, and it's classic Feld, you've got, you know, 12 different plates you're trying to spin and keep in the air, but you really have to focus on one over the other as you are investing in all kinds of things. Do you focus on the market? Do you focus on exploring the desert? Do you focus on um, education? Do you focus on uh, you know government. I mean, there's all these different things that uh, you can do, but and you can only focus on some of them. But everything in this game is driven by a cube tower or a Keshi tower, little wooden uh, uh, cylinders. Every round, players pick in secret what actions they want to do this round. And then we hold them in our hand. We all reveal at the same time what is we're going to do. And then we drop those little wooden tokens into a tower. Some of those tokens come out the other side, and then we draft for them. Other tokens get stuck in the tower and won't show up until later. So, um, you know, like Shogun or Amerigo uh, or uh, Wallenstein. Wallenstein, this is a great example of uh, one of the, the, probably the greatest single tool for board game randomization of events I've ever seen, the Cube Tower. And the reason I was so disappointed, and I literally got rid of my original deluxe edition of Marrakesh was, the tower didn't work. Or I should say, my tower didn't work. It never held on to any of the Keshis. They all came through. It became pointless. And it, that kind of led to some unbalanced stuff for two players that I was really disappointed by. But they, uh, the publisher, Queen Games, has now released the Essential Edition, which is a smaller box, um, you know, more tightly packed, uh, you know, fewer components. Actually, they I have a sticker on the front that talks about how they're using green production methodology, which is fantastic, something that Queen Games is doing more and more of. And the important thing is, I got this, I tried the tower, and now it worked. And it worked gloriously. And that's what was missing from the game. When you can't predict with perfect accuracy exactly when opportunities are going to come up. Because sometimes they get stuck in the tower and they'll show up two or three rounds later. That was the extra bit of secret sauce that took Marrakesh into my favorite games of the year. Um, and I am so, so happy about it that everybody kept saying, No, Rado, it must just be your tower. You're right. 
It wasn't the game, it was me. And now that I've actually gotten to play it the way it was supposed to be played, and as far as I'm concerned, the significantly superior Essential Edition, because it is a more planet-friendly version. There are fewer components in the box. It is physically smaller on the table and smaller on my shelf. I love everything about the Essential Edition. Uh, very, very impressed. It makes the number five Marrakesh. Okay, folks, now let's just uh, blow through the remainder. Number four on the list, The Isle of Cats, Explore and Draw, maybe the greatest roll-and-write game of all time. A roll-and-write version of The Isle of Cats that replaces the traditional closed-hand draft with an entwined draft that's one of the best entwined drafting systems I've ever seen. Absolutely love this game to pieces. Uh, and uh, actually, if I recall correctly, you can go check out my run-through that I did with this with Ruel, and you can play a lot. No, you can't. You can't play with this game. Yes, you can. This is a bingo-style drafting game as well. So you can play along with us. And uh, because I give you the opportunity to print out the same thing you can see, Ruel printed out his own copy. So don't take my word for it. Try it for yourself, and I think you'll agree. Isle of Cats Explore and Draw is phenomenal. Number four. Number three is Revive. Another game about humanity waking up after its long slumber. But this time, the world is not lush and verdant. It is cold and frozen, and we have to bring life back to the planet that we messed up millennia ago. And it is a wonderful engine-building game with so many deep, rich... Uh decisions to make round after round um, with, again, indirect commun or, you know, uh, collusion because as we explore the world, as we thaw it out, we are creating opportunities for ourselves and each other and also building really powerful engines and using an action selection system that is one of the coolest I've seen in a long time. Again, go watch my, my run-through or the original top 10 and I'll go more into it. But, you know, I was not alone. Revive made a lot of folks top 10 of the year, uh, and with good reason. And the nice thing is, this Essence Spiel 2023, it's going to be getting its first expansion as well, and I cannot wait to revive a little bit more. Okay, then we've got number two on the list, the Guild of Merchant Explorers. One of the most brilliant, um, simple, elegant little, um, what do you even call it? I guess it's a route building game, but the interesting thing is, you know, over the course of the game, uh, bingo style, we draw a card that tells everybody where you can put cubes on our little maps as we explore the world and try to create trade routes and explore dungeons and, um, you know, do all kinds of stuff. But uh, as, as we play, we get more and more of our cubes on the board as we explore more and more of the world. But what happens is we will eventually empty out our deck and then all those cubes come back home. And so we're constantly trying to reach out to establish new outposts so that on future rounds, we can spread from more than one place. And so this sense of exploration and just reaching to try and get across the next um, threshold is fantastic. And then on top of that, it's a really cool, there's a deck building element to it as well, where everybody gets their own incredibly super powerful, almost game-breaking powers, but everybody has their own unique game-breaking powers. It is fantastic, phenomenal, and oh my goodness, uh... What have I done? I accidentally um, uh, spoiled it. It's Guild of Merchant Explorers is number two, but somehow I ended up for that whole time having the number one game of the year on the list, Planet Unknown. Spoilers, folks. But again, this is a remake of a list I did last year. 
I, uh, what you're looking at here is the prototype I covered several years ago. I got the final version. It was even better than I hoped it would be. Um, one of the greatest polyomino tile errors of all time with a really, really cool tile draft that is based on a lazy Susan that is so brilliant. Again, my prototype was a really rough and ready one. The final version of the game looks better, plays better, is absolutely fantastic. So much variety built in. I have seen some people complain that some of the different, you know, special unique asymmetric planets are like unbalanced compared to each other. Maybe that's true. I don't care. A game this much fun? I don't care if I win or lose. I'm having way too much fun exploring and terraforming uh, the planet while drafting tiles from a lazy Susan and um, you know getting super combo turn after combo turn after combo turn. It is phenomenal. I believe they're actually fundraising right now its first expansion on GameFound. So you have a chance to get it uh, because this wasn't just me, folks. This made other people's number one spot of the year as as well. I was not at all out of the ordinary for that. Uh, everybody loved it. Number one on the list, Planet Unknown. Oops, and that's the wrong thing to go to. Phew! So, how long have we been going? 22 minutes. I've got a little bit more time. I'm thinking 2022 Board Game Geek Reviewer Meta List. I should have searched for this ahead of time. Can I find this? Yes, I can. Let's come back over here, folks, uh, because, hey, that's what I thought, but what do other board game channels think? If you hadn't heard of it, just do a Google search for Board Game Geek um, 2022 Review Meta List, and you will find this. This uh, is uh, put together by Vitrus979, he gets help from other folks, where he takes the top 10 lists of all of the board game media channels. Look at them! All this work he does, all these different people, and collates them into finalized lists. I'm on this list is where, you know, there I am, Rotto. Uh, my number's 1 through 10, and my number is 11 through 44. I have to contact him to say, hey, by the way, two of my entries have changed because of, so it'll, it probably won't make a big difference, because I mean, I'm just one data point amongst a billion of them. But folks, what did the Board Game Geek um, Reviewosphere think was the number one game of the year? Uh, let's see, Wonderland's War. I totally get it. Here's everybody who thought it was number one. This is such a fantastic... Let's just look at the official... Uh, um, zeitgeist from amongst reviewers. Wonderland's War, number one. Endless Winter, number two. Endless Winter made my top 20, but not my top 10. Too much, a little bit too much area control for me. And Wonderland's War, way too cutthroat for me. But um, Amy and Maggie did a fantastic run-through of it. I totally get why it's so popular. Uh, number three, Heat, Pedal to the Metal. I know. I know it's great. Uh, you know, Rel did a good run-through for it on the channel. I totally get it. But still, I'm just so not interested in... Race cars. It's just such a turnoff for me. I'll play it someday, but there's no way it would ever beat those 10 games I just talked about. Oh, there we go. Number four. My number one, Planet Unknown. And, um, you know, that's saying something. Who else agreed with me? Allies and enemies. Jamie Stegmeier, Mr. Stonemeyer Games himself, gave it his number one of the year. Uh, Paula Deming. Paula Deming is amazing, folks. And not just because she agrees with me as the number one game of the year. And it made a lot of people's... Uh, you know, so it came in very, very high. Foundations of Rome. I have actually... Uh, this was one of the games I needed to play. I need to see it for myself. Would it make it in my top ten? No, it does not. It's a good game. But honestly... I didn't like it at all. I got a chance to play it with um, Dan King, the Game Boy Geek. My wife and I uh, played it with him and a friend of his uh, down in Arizona, where Dan, uh, Dan lives, when we were on the road. And I was impressed by it, but oh, I could not stand it. I wish I'd gotten a chance. We played a little bit more, because I think there's like a co-op mode, because it's such, it is an incredibly cutthroat game. Uh, and I just could not enjoy it. Um, you know, I just gave you a list of, of uh, competitive games where 
We're trying to beat each other, but we're interacting through positive means. Foundation is all about trying to cut, see what you need and cut you off and ruin your day. Uh, Carnegie was in my top 10. It's now, I think, my number 11 or my number... It's my number 12 now. Brilliant game. Uh, Guild of Merchant Explorers. Uh, you know, obviously, my number two. And a lot of other people agree. Uh, Ark Nova. Ark Nova, folks... Ark Nova is a 2021 game. It should not be in this list, but not every I I make my list based on the official years according to BoardGameGeek. Let me double check that. Ark Nova is officially a 2021 game, is it not? Yes, it is. So I could not, in good conscience, put it in my best games of 2022 because it came out in 2021. And somebody should tell a board game bollocks and opinionated gamer and um, oh, beastie geeks that just because you played in 20 anyway doesn't matter. It's a great game. It was in my top five. I think it was maybe my number one or my number two of 2021. But regardless, oh, Flamecraft, wonderful little game. Really enjoyed it. The components so take it over the top. Fun, simple, gateway, family-friendly worker placement game with the most adorable dragon meeples you've ever seen. Not meeples, but miniatures. But a little bit too lightweight for me and Jen. And more importantly, I felt very strongly there was a couple little tweaks they could have made to really tighten up the board for two players. And they didn't do it. And so two player, I think, suffers a little bit. So it doesn't make my shortlist. And then Mosaic Story of Civilization. It's a civil game I definitely want to try someday, but again, like all civilization games, hey, if I can destroy your stuff, if I can raise your seas to the ground or steal them from you, pass. As you saw from my list, folks, I want positive ways to interact with you when I sit down with you across the table. I don't want to destroy your stuff. I want to create opportunities for you to be your best self while you do the same for me. That's a future I'm excited about in the real world, and I love seeing that reflected in my board games. We've had... Thousands of years of board game designs where it's all about players trying to mess with each other and ruin each other's day. We don't need that anymore. All right. Oh, and then things keep going. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, let's go for one more list. Let's compare my list to the official Board Game Geek list, right? If I go here and I say, I don't want a regular search, I want an advanced search. And then I say, 2022 games, all games 20 to 22, and get rid of expansions and search... This is based on Board Game Geek rankings. So let's look at the top 10. Again, sorting by... Sorting by okay, Heat is number one. I look, I know it's brilliant. It's it's not you, Heat. It's me. I totally think you deserve that number one spot, one hundred percent. That makes total sense to me. Um, and of course, you know the other reviewers ranked it very high as well. I mean, uh, I, I told you, you know, one of the contributors of my channel when I did my preliminary also ranked it as their number one also. But it's just it's not you, Heat. It's me. It looks brilliant. 
All right, Frosthaven, I would never consider that because to me, Frosthaven is effectively Gloomhaven 2. Although, of course, Gloomhaven 2 is actually crowdfunding right now. And whenever I make a list, I always try to come up with new things, new experiences players haven't had before, as opposed to revamps and 2.0. So I get it, um, but wouldn't make my list. Carnegie was, is used to be my number 10. It's my number 11. No, it's my number 12 now. Nemesis Lockdown. Uh, Shay covered that for the channel, and it looks really good. But honestly, again, I wouldn't consider it on the list because it is basically, uh, for all intents and purposes, an expansion in standalone game form for Nemesis. So it's not... I mean, there are new things in it, but... Uh, so I'm going to ignore that. That's... Frosthaven and Nemesis, I'm leaving those off. So really, number one is Heat. Number two is Carnegie. Number three, Wonderland's War. Obviously, other reviewers agree with that. Number four, Splendor Duel. Uh... Yeah, it's nice. It's a really well done... It's much better than regular Splendor. It's a huge improvement over regular Splendor. But still, I would say it's a, a high 7, low 8. Eh, maybe even a low to mid 8, but not top 10 material, IMO. Hey, there's Endless Winter Paleo-Americans. And for the record, folks, I love this game. You know, there it is, right there up on my shelf. It's not going anywhere, so I cannot disagree with that call. And let's see. Oh, and then Oathsworn into the foot. Okay, folks. Remember how I said right up front that uh, at the end of the year, I do my preliminary list, and I know there are a few games I still want to try. Oathsworn is one of them. Oathsworn, I think, has an outside chance of being so amazing that it could punch its way into my personal top 10 for the year. And I haven't had a chance to play it. I tried. I was going to play it at the uh, Dice Tower West Library or uh, convention, but um, I, I just ran out of time. <sighs> So what I did is, I went back and I watched Shay's run-through, where Shay and I did a final thoughts together. I was so excited about this game. I watched Shay's run-through. I watched a couple of run-throughs on Derek's channel, uh, Kanji, K-A-N-J-E. Folks, if you like my run-throughs, go subscribe to Derek. He does great run-throughs as well. He's done a whole series of Oathsworn stuff. So I feel like I've seen enough of Oathsworn to know that while I think it'd be great, it's not high enough, but I can't say for certain. Folks, when I do my preliminary top 10 of 2023 on Christmas Day you know, a half a year from now, I will revisit this. I swear, by hook or by crook, I will have played Oathsworn. I will literally drive down to Los Angeles and get the Rotto Runs-Through copy that Shay still has in his possession, and I will play it on the road when my wife and I do a big, epic winter trip through Baja, California in our RV. I will play this. I will revisit it. But for now, I'm pretty sure it doesn't make it. Planet Unknown, you know how I feel about that. Wingspan Asia, again, that doesn't make sense to me to include it because it is just more Wingspan content in a stand alone. Uh, let's see. Oh, but Return to Dark Tower then. Oh, where are we at now? If we're skipping those, you know, those dupes, uh, spinoffs. Right, we Heat, Carnegie, Wonderland's War, Splendor Duel, which is significantly different from Splendor, so I don't think it's just a spinoff. It's its own beast. Paleo-Americans number five, Oathsworn six, Planet Unknown seven. Oh, Return to Dark Tower number eight. Man, I, I mean, I was never interested in this game at all until Kimberly did a run-through for the channel. She did an amazing job and convinced me I need to play it. I'm very confident it would not make, but you can see, hey, here it is on my wish list. Yeah, um, you know, along with Oathsworn, these are games I still want to play. Oh, and then Clank, uh, Catacombs. I think that is it warrants consider. It's not just a 2.0 of Clank. It looks really, really good. Uh, Ruel did a great job covering it, but again, not for me. What else do I still want to play? I'd like to play Longshot the Dice Game. I know people got I got rid... I mean, heck, I, here's a lot of stuff I got rid of. What else do I still want to play? Aeon's Trespass? Yeah, but it's only a 4. I'm not that keen on playing it. Uh, Ready, Set, Bed? I'd like to try that someday. Um, right, but anyway, folks, phew, I think that is enough. 
I think we are done talking about 2022, except, again, Christmas morning, 2020, at the end of this year, I will let you know once and for all if Oathsworn made the cut into top 10 of the year. And there's one other one as well. What is the other one? Oh, you know what I need to do? You know what I need to do? I need to come back over. I need to go to wishlist.rado.com. It'll open up in a second here. And then control search 2022. Oathsworn. Oh, um, I want Federation back. I, I donated my copy to the Dice Tower West Convention Library, and I miss it so much. But anyway, Galileo Project is the other game I still haven't played. Shay, I'm coming for you. Do not get rid of Galileo Project and Oathsworn. I need to grab them as I head south towards Mexico for our winter trip so I can play these so I can decide, did they push their way into the top 10? But otherwise, folks, I think that is it. Um, uh, 2022, a really, really great year. But folks... Again, I said right up front, and I'll uh, end it one more time. If you could make uh, 2023 a really great year for these kids in Uganda, again, the link is right there at the top of the show notes. Please consider making someone, uh, you know, these kids' lives a little bit better through the joy of board games and the joy of science. I think that is absolutely amazing. I am very excited about it. And folks, that is it. 2022 in the bag. Let me know what you think down in the comments. Any of them that I missed that I should have done? Do you agree with me more than Board Game Geek? Do you agree with me more than the gestalt of all uh, reviewers? I'm very curious. But regardless, folks, uh, have a very, very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye. And you can go ahead and click on one of these other things that are on the screen right now. That's cool. But I'm done. I'm actually very thirsty. That was 34 minutes. I didn't expect to go that long. Mmm.